0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. With me as always is the president and founder of Landmark Home and Land Company, a company which has been helping people build their new homes where they want, exactly as they want, across the nation and worldwide since 1993, Steve Tuma. How you doing, amigo? I'm uh, Doing excellent. How are you doing today? I'm great. So... In the last couple of episodes, we've been doing this thing where you've been uh, asking uh, general questions from customers and prospective uh, customers of Landmarks coming to you through the website, and uh, I thought we would continue that. It just seems to be a a good format for us to go with, and it gets right to the people. If you're good with that, I'd like to kind of continue with this episode.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. It'll be informative for people, and it'll get them you know maybe a step ahead maybe two steps ahead if we give them some basic questions and uh, some basic uh, answers that that are common for people in, in pretty much any project no matter what state you're building in or if you're building on a hill or flat land or whatever the building site may be there there's there's some basic questions that I think we can answer good yeah it's very american to go right to the people <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to start off here with a question from a customer that um Asking landmark, what are the benefits of the different foundation types—basement, crawl space, slab,
1: piers? Can you uh, can you answer that? Yes, they they each have their benefits, and sometimes it's just an orig- a regional acceptance of it. So you know, basements are very common in the Midwest because you know there aren't really con- you know the ground you can dig into it. It's usable. It's it's very common. Sometimes it's tornado shelters. It's also something where a basement is very affordable space to finish out. Mm-hmm. You know, say if you were on a hill, like a walkout to a lake or just a walkout to a backyard, you could you could finish that basement for relatively little money and then double the size of your home. Now, uh, crawl spaces are more maybe if there's a limitation as to why you can't go down deep or some people just don't like basements. Mm-hmm. Um a, a slab is basically a cement slab just laid right on top of the ground that's something more in southwest uh california where that's that's more common now any of these foundations can go anywhere in the country it's just what's more typical and then uh piers are are unique so i'm kind of summarizing each one we'll get into some details. Mm-hmm. but piers generally go in an area with floods hmm but what's interesting about piers is we are getting people that want to have low environmental impact foundations, right? So they don't want to tear the side of a hill up or whatever it might be, and they they would just use piers because in a smaller home it's easier to put put in. Mm-hmm. Some people can actually just put piers in and not have to go through the whole cost of the foundation. But um, that's that that's the basic summary on it. But let, let's go through them again. So basically, a basement would be if you want the living space underground Mm -hmm. and sometimes exposed for like a walkout situation um if you grew up with a basement you're probably going to want a basement some people use basements just for storage other people it's for man caves workshops drive under garages Mm -hmm. whatever it might be you can put your uh mechanicals down there plumbing well your plumbing will be down there your heating systems hot water tanks, different things like that, keep them out of the house if you want. Mm-hmm. The crawl space will lift the house above the ground, but it won't create a living space like a basement would be. So sometimes people like the crawl space so that they can go underneath, you know, if they need to do some maintenance or little storage areas, they they can have a, a crawl space to lift the house above the ground, but also still have the footers from the crawl space wall go deep enough to go below the frost lines in the areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, slabs are typically done. They're generally the least expensive way to build. Um, the plumbing and details can go under the slab, so if, if you have an issue with the pipe, it could be a little bit of a problem having to break through the cement. But it's considered to be more affordable. And generally, slabs are done in areas where you don't have um, a very deep frost line. Mm-hmm. Because you know, at a certain point, if you have to make the footer go down so much, you may as well just do... A, uh, a crawl space, and like we said, piers are to lift the house above the ground, like in a flood area by a river where it might flood um, in Florida, you know, for hurricanes, so that the water surge can go underneath the house. Now, we've done houses and piers in New York, mm. you know, in different areas where, where there's different flood situations. So, we can design each of these foundations, we can engineer each of these foundations. And we can also work with you to make sure that the foundation type is right. So if you're if you're not sure, you know, you can give us a call or an email and just ask us, say, hey, I'm I'm considering this in my specific situation, what makes sense? Mm-hmm. So we could take the general concepts that we spoke about and then go through and figure out how to, how does it apply? Because a lot of people say, Hey, I've never built a a house in a you know just people don't build houses on basements in california right and i could sit there and say we've done them imagine a house going down the side of a hill Mm. where it's indented into the hill so you've got like a three-level home you know the middle level being the main level then upper level and then the lower level kind of a lookout basement Mm. so there are situations where um Sometimes you follow the norm for the area, and then there are situations where you can adjust it. Mm. We we like I mentioned with the Pier Foundation, a, a lot of those people are doing those just for the low environmental impact. It's pretty interesting. So there there is flexibility. The bottom line is we we can help with the design and understanding for for each particular project.
0: Well, I would imagine that Landmark would be there to let let's say I did want a basement and I want it in California, but maybe the there's a too much granite underneath the lot that I've built, and so um, I would imagine Landmark would be there to advise me on things like that as well.
1: Right, depending upon the conditions. Mm-hmm. Like if you're building on a granite, just a flat granite slab, that might be a little bit expensive and hard, but if you're <laughs> on the side of a hill, there might be an area on your lot where it's more affordable or easier to work with, but mm-hmm. either way we can work with that mm-hmm. to, to sort out what situation makes the most sense for your particular need and that's the key to it you know we could use these general guidelines but at some point we have to refine it down to what makes sense for you
0: so you'd let me know if dynamiting is not a cost-effective way to go right (laughs) people have done it but it
1: it it gets expensive usually usually on projects like that there's just a primo view or something that just has to be taking advantage of or Sometimes, if people don't get geotechnical reports, it's kind of a little bit of a surprise, so we, we suggest in areas um, you know that might be a little trickier to get a geotechnical report to, to avoid surprises in, in the ground.
0: I like the idea about piers, um, even not in hurricane zones or high flood zones, but just because of the, uh, because of the um, lower environmental impact. I think we're probably going to be seeing more and more of that in the future.
1: Well, a lot of that's happening because some people are building very interesting areas around mm-hmm. wetlands mm-hmm. or on the sides of hills, or sometimes it's just an affordability factor mm-hmm. because, um, you know, the wetland areas, there's government regulations, so you can do certain things. You can affect a certain part of the area, so with a, a pier system, you can span the house over um, some ground conditions and mm. then then avoid impacting the ground, but... A lot of people are also going through, say it's a situation where someone wants to do a mini home, a tiny home, or a smaller home. You don't have to go excavate a big hole. You can mm-hmm. just put a pier in, kind of like a deck. Mm-hmm. It's a little different, but it's the same concept, like a deck, and then build a house on top of it. Mm-hmm. So if someone really wants to control costs and do a lot of the work themselves, the, those opportunities are there. So it's a multifaceted answer. It's not just, a, you know, if then do this. It's kind of a, Hey, what do you need? What are your goals? Right, and that's that's I think where we can help you come up with the right design. Yeah, there's so many variations. It just seems like Landmark would be
0: um, a, a one way to go to get all of the answers because most people, when they're especially building their first home, there's so many so many variables. It, it'd be nice to have somebody like Landmark on the other end of the phone to kind of talk you through that stuff. Well
1: that that's where we're helpful. I was talking to someone and uh they jokingly said, "Steve, I got my internet PhD." <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you can go online and get every opinion that you want to hear. You can find it, but you know, after looking at all these ideas, watching TV shows, how do you really know what impacts, <laughs> you know, mm. how how it works with you? Right. And that that's the point that that we can do to help. Mm. So here's another letter. Um, Dear
0: Landmark, I've heard about organic design. What is organic design and, and
1: can I incorporate it into my new home? This is a really interesting one because it's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, organic design is basically just working with nature. Mm-hmm. You know, taking advantage of the sun in winter and then kind of blacking the sun out in summer. Taking advantage of breeze. Using s- sustainable materials. Using materials that aren't going to poison the air in your house. Details like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright was kind of the godfather of, of organic design. But it, it's kind of interesting if you look at this, uh, Steve. You know, if, if your great, great, great grandparents came over here from, you know, Europe or wherever they would have come from, they're, they're probably um, farmers. Mm-hmm. So. They would know that, hey, we need to have overhangs to keep the summer sun out. We need to put certain trees around the house to stop a breeze. We need to know that we've got tall windows. You notice that on old homes, there's a lot of tall windows so the heat can escape out the top. Oh, right. So there's a lot of elements in the design, how the house faces, where they put it on hills. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of working with nature to keep your house cool and warm because back then they didn't have the convenience of pushing a button and the air conditioning or the heat coming on. They didn't have all the modern toys. So what's interesting is back back then is uh, they would just, you know, being farmers, they would have their 10, 20, 100, 200 acres, and then they, they would farm and put the house there. Well, as as America grew, suddenly subdivisions happen, mm-hmm. and technology grows. So there there's water at houses, there's electric, there's gas pipes. But suddenly you're buying a lot that's 100 by 100, hmm. and it's along the road, so you can't choose the orientation of the house. You know, the way the subdivision is laid out, your house will face the road most likely. Hmm. So you can't angle the house easily to take advantage of the sun. You may not be able to have the right overhangs to block or let sun in and all these other details. And then as it became, it's like, hey, why deal with the breeze? Let me just push this button, use some electricity, and get the air conditioning going. <laughs> So suddenly we got away from that. Well, now as we're kind of history repeating itself, we're like, hey, let's control our energy use. With a proper design, we can have a more comfortable home and more more you know more affordable uh, utility bills. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of interesting. It's it's a it's a neat concept that that people are catching on to. Generally, we need to. No, about or if you want to be involved with organic design at the beginning stages because it's not just a floor plan it's where it's going on in the house where is the house are you doing this in florida are you doing it in alaska are you doing it in illinois you know colorado where are you and then how what is your land like where is, is there a good view is there a certain orientation you want so it can be pretty in-depth but we're fully prepared to uh to work with you through that process
0: now i I had a question because we're talking about incorporating different things into different designs and landmark offers a whole lot of uh of designs i don't i don't want to call them templates but it's more like it just seems like there's a flexibility with each of the landmark designs let's so let's say i i pick a um a set of plans from landmark am i able to design my own kitchen and bathroom layouts if if the design is not exactly what I'm looking for.
1: Yes, we can actually work on every component of the house you know, mm-hmm. a family room, a TV room, a gaming room, a garage, a, a basement play area, a craft room. But um, kitchens and bathrooms are the ones that are most commonly dealt with. So, what our designers do, they, we would draw the complete set of house plans up, mm-hmm. you know, show a suggested kitchen layout, bathroom layout with the dimensions. Now, we don't supply cabinets and countertops, but you could take those our plans Mm -hmm. directly to your kitchen and cabinet supplier, and then they can go lay everything out. So if you want a a rack for trays, if you want a wine holder, if you want a bread box, you can design all of that in so it's truly your kitchen the way it works. What's interesting about that, Steve, a lot of people don't think about this, but there's kitchens for right-handed people and there's kitchens for left-handed oh, people. Oh,
0: yeah, I've heard about that.
1: Yeah, so if if you had a dishwasher in your house, generally your dishwasher would be, if you're right-handed, your dishwasher would be to the right side of your sink. Mm. You can rinse in the sink when with your right hand to easily put them into right. the, the dishwasher. If you were left-handed and your dishwasher is to the right, Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of just an awkward movement. I guess you'd get used to it, but mm-hmm. you know. So so those are the things that that it uh, we can work out. And that's that's also the same case with laundry room, Steve. Because mm-hmm. if someone's got a family, they might want a folding table, a, a wash tub, and other details to to make it easier. Mm-hmm. So we can completely design the home. But you're right. Those, those are that's a good question because. Those are the areas where people seem to spend a lot more time, really detailing them out.
0: Mm. And if somebody's looking for some, just you know, cost effectiveness or just uh, it, um, just a, a price point for a certain customer, what's the most affordable design that that customer should look for?
1: The most affordable way to build is four ninety degree corners. You know, so if it's mm-hmm. a ranch home, make it, you know. 24 to 28 deep and then as as long as as you need to make it that in general is the way to go Mm -hmm. if it's a two-story you would just stack the boxes on top the reason being is corners cost a lot Mm. if you have a corner and a wall you've probably got a ridge or a valley in uh in your house design that that corner is going to be in your foundation your drywall your siding the framing (laughs) you know it's going to carry up to the roofing it just takes a lot more time to do that. Right. Now, that being said, sometimes simple is more. You can still take a very simple structural design mm-hmm. and dress it up to make it look like a million bucks. Mm. So if someone says, hey, I, I want to control my cost, but I still want a house that I want to be proud of, mm-hmm. you know, we could do that. You could put a porch across the front of it, little decorative dormers, maybe a small bump out. You know, just little details that uh, that w- that can be done. So in general, the less corners in a house, the more affordable it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if you just have to have a house with 30 corners on it and an extreme roof pitch, we can still help you with that. But a lot of people um, are just really interested in building a house that they believe is sensible mm-hmm. and controlling the cost. Sometimes, uh, you know, empty nesters first time home builders or home buyers um, and then other times with uh, you know maybe relatives are moving in for whatever reasons mm-hmm. you know the, the parents or grandparents are moving in so they they've got to stretch the money now these homes can be just as energy efficient they can be just as fun you can still design them the way you want them to be we can still put luxury features you can still design your kitchen so you get to go through the whole process it's just the bottom line cost is It's controlled.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a simple question. Uh,
1: Dear Landmark, I'm wondering, is square foot pricing accurate? No. No, that's that's one of the most interesting things that that we hear. People call up and say, what's the square foot price of it? Mm -hmm. And then I remember someone telling me way back, a good friend, Don, he said, Steve, square foot pricing is kind of like calling a grocery store and asking how much dinner is. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you might be able to use it as a guideline, but it can be very deceptive. First of all, people count square feet in a house much different. Doesn't include porches, doesn't include garages, doesn't include basements. So, typically when people are doing square foot pricing, they might want to understand the building process a little more because not every square foot of a house is the same. Mm -hmm. So, if you had a big open living room, that's what I'll call a simpler square foot. If you have a very intricate kitchen with upper cabinets, lower cabinets, granite countertops, that a square foot in that room is going to cost more
0: right, got it
1: and then then the the simplest relation that I think people can can see just in their mind is if you had the all American ranch, you know, just a boxy home like we discussed just a little while ago mm-hmm. a thousand square feet, four corners, and a six twelve roof pitch that 1,000 square feet is going to be some of the most affordable square footage out there. But if you took that same design, put 10-foot ceilings in it, and a 12-12 roof pitch, a steep roof pitch with some dormers, the square footage is the same. The walls are taller. The roof is more complex. So, of course, per square foot, it's going to cost more. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's very deceptive to go through and say, hey, what's a square foot of a house because there's just so many variations mm-hmm. that it's not an uh, an accurate representation you know like we talked about foundations it's also where are you building it are you building it on the side of a hill in california or are you building it on a flat slab in iowa mm-hmm. that will vary tremendously so that's I would I would you know ask people to look a little deeper to see what's included in what you're paying for. That's the important part. Not some low 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 quote of, hey, you know, it's so much a square foot. It's you need to know the cost for what you're you're building. Right. Not the not some guess that that someone's uh you know, just throwing out.
0: Especially when you're tweaking your own design things like that. It seems like it's just kind of voodoo logic if you're trying to get like a um square foot pricing doesn't seem like it's uh yeah doesn't doesn't seem like the way to go to me like i
1: say steve it's it's calling a grocery store and saying how much is dinner (laughs) right or how much is a bag of groceries what are you filling it with day old bread or (laughs) chateaubriand right Right. you know it's the same bag different cost it's it's the same the same concept right
0: um i want to go over a couple things that we slightly hit on on previous episodes but that would just been in my mind and uh things I wanted to see if we could cover a little more uh, extensively. Like I'd like to know why, uh, living here in California, um, I hear a lot about energy calculations. Tell me why energy calculations are so important.
1: Energy calculations are theoretical calculations to show the heat or cool transfer performance of your home. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is you want to make sure your house is energy efficient so your energy bills aren't high. But also to make sure that you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So those theoretical calculations will go through and say, hey, you need an R48 ceiling insulation in the ceiling. You need so much in the walls. You need windows of a certain performance value. You need your, your uh, foundation to be insulated a certain way, certain types of water heating systems, certain uh, efficiencies in the heating and cooling systems. So that's the theoretical calculation to say, hey, this house will conform with the code requirements mm-hmm. um you mentioned california california is one of the leaders in making homes more and more energy efficient every year they and a couple of years ago they tightened their guidelines by 30 percent that's right. a pretty big belt right. tightening right. but when you look at that people's energy efficiency has gone way up and their their energy bills have dropped it's important but there's a there's something to this i mentioned it's a theoretical calculation that means that this plan has to be followed, and it's not just that you say, "Hey, I've got R-48 insulation in the roof." It's the proper installation of the insulation, mm-hmm. the proper installation of the windows and other details, so that they can do their job properly. the The, the great situation is that I want to review is, is duct work, mm-hmm. metal duct working. Sometimes those can leak ten to twenty five percent if they're not installed by a conscientious installer, just because someone's been doing it for thirty years doesn't mean they've been doing it right for thirty years, especially as technology and practices have improved mm-hmm. so you can say that hey I've got a ninety eight percent efficient furnace, but if the ductwork is leaking twenty five percent of your heater or cooled air, you're not doing anything. Mm. You're, you're wasting that money. So it's the proper installation of the heating system, the cooling system, the hot water system, the windows, the siding, insulation, the right types of doors, details like that, that's there. So it's the installation which is equally as important. And that's why people like building their own home with us because they get to specify it and they get to see that it's installed right. Mm. And that, that's that's a key point to it. So the, I kind of gave two answers there, the understanding of the energy calculations, but also making sure that the theoretical energy calculations are brought to life by the proper installation of the recommendations. Mm.
0: Well, we've got a, speaking of uh, going over things twice, <laughs> we have a three-part question here. We'll We'll handle them one at a time. But the question is, Dear Landmark, I have a three-tiered question. First of all, how do I find out about building permits? Second, what is lot coverage? And the last part of my
1: question, what are building setbacks?
0: So let's go and start with uh, building permits, Steve.
1: Well, those are all kind of intertwined. Building permits are basically... Well, there actually are some parts of the country where you don't re- need building permits. They're mm-hmm. just not populated. The counties don't have funding for it. But in general... Building permits are, would be issued by your city or your county. Mm-hmm. Sometimes townships in certain areas, but they'll generally have a guideline, and you could call them or talk to them or go in the office and find out what they need. And they will generally have a list saying we need these items. It'll tell you if if you need, you know, what what to, what type of architectural plans. If you need structural engineering, if you need energy calculations, site plans, and other details. So, in the simplest form, some of these you just need architectural plans—you know, the four elevations, the sides of the house—and then floor plans. In the more sophisticated areas, you might need engineered plans stamped by a structural engineer, site plans, energy calculations, noise abatement, landscaping plans, site plans, and just a variety of other um, details to to submit for permits. So. The best thing to do is find out who controls the permit issuance. Like I say, it's either the city or the county or the township, mm-hmm. and they, they can usually provide the information. Sometimes it's right on a website, and they'll give details of exactly what is required. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes this can be a little tricky, so if someone's interested, you know, maybe they want to make contact with them, get details, but if they need a little help sorting some of this out, they can give us a call. and. I'll have our contact information at the end of the show, but uh, they they can give us a call and find out. You know, we can guide them through the process because sometimes building departments will say, "I need engineering." Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of an open ended answer. Engineering of what? You know, do they need civil engineering to find out grading plans and drainage plans, or do they need structural engineering? So those are little things we we can work through. We we know the language. So we can work through. So if you contact your building department and it still throws you for a little loop, um, we'll help out and Mm. and work through properties. I think the second one was lot coverage.
0: Right, lot coverage. What is lot coverage? Explain that.
1: The concept being is that they don't want your house taking the full lot. Mm. You know, They want to have certain green areas or driveway areas or or areas so that houses aren't literally right next to each other. So a, a common number is to say that your, your lot coverage can't be say over 35% of the lot. Mm. So if, if you have a 10,000 square foot lot, 35% would be 3,500 square feet that you can cover. Got it. Now the interesting thing, and this is where we come in is what do they consider lot coverage? Is it the footprint of the house? Is it the overhangs of the house? Is it the driveway and the sidewalks? Does it include your garage? Mm. So there, there could be little tricks there, and this is extremely important um, because you, you tie it into what are building setbacks, which I think was the next one. The setback right. is if you have, a, um, a say, a, a 50 by 100 lot and your front setback is 20 feet, 5 feet on each side, and 20 in the back. So on your 50 by 100 on sides, you've got 5 on each side. That's 10, so you've got 40 feet wide to build in. And then of the 100, you've got 20 in the front, 20 in the back, 40. You've then got 60 left over. So you've got a 40 by 60 pad that or building area that, that you can work with in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got a big acreage, acreage in a rural area, the setbacks will give you a lot more options on where you can put it. But those you, you have to consider those. Now, it can get a little detailed, but that's what we can help with. Mm. You know, so if someone says, Hey, there's this uh lot coverage situation, here are the setbacks, how how do we work it? We could find out the details of, of how lot coverage is interpreted. And uh another thing I want to bring up is some areas, it's it's kind of interesting, have height restrictions.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Okay, so in uh Colorado along the in the in the, the mountains, also along the ocean you'll have it because they don't want people blocking everyone else's view. Mm. So they want to know that a house isn't over 25 feet or 30 feet or 35 feet tall and they may have different ways of calculating the height. So it's not just go to the front of the house and measure from the ground up. They they can have different points from where you measure and different ways of measuring to develop an average say if you're on a slope lot and that again is, is what we can do. We're working on a project in Northern California where He's affected by lot coverage, setbacks, and height restrictions on a slope lot, mm. and it's getting to be pretty interesting on in how we're making this this house come together. Mm. So it takes a little bit of work. This is again doing your homework up front. Mm.
0: So this is I saved this question for last because this is something I've been very curious about. Um, this uh, customer wants to know what kind of siding can I put on a panelized home, and I've been wondering about that myself because. It seems to me you can build a house and you have a certain idea of what, what you would like, brick, stone, log, cement. What what are my limitations as far as um, uh, siding for a penalized
1: home? There really aren't limitations. It's much like a stick-built home. If you want to do all brick, stone, cement, log, vinyl, whatever mm-hmm. it is that works, or or any combination of those, We can design it in. Mm -hmm. So there really isn't the limitation. And that's a nice thing. Because some people will actually go through and do combinations. They might do like a stone ledge or brick ledge. You know, let's go back to that simple ranch home. Maybe the first four feet is a brick or stone. And then above that is a cement board. Or some people, you know, suddenly if you took that same home and put it in the woods, Mm -hmm. maybe you'd like a stone base, like along the foundation, and then log siding. So there's a a variety of different sidings, uh shingles. There's a lot of uh, you know, vinyl and manufactured faipons and different things that you can put onto a home to really dress it up and give it that look. So the limitation is pretty much endless. It's it's what do you want to put on there and and what works within your budget. But it is important to to get an idea of the siding and I'll tell you the reason why. If you want to use real brick or real stone Mm they weigh a lot so they have to be supported by the foundation Mm -hmm. if you're going to put the fake stone on and some of those are looking pretty good right you know they've really improved those those don't weigh as much as the real bricks so you don't have to have the footer system Mm and the foundation so there's cost savings there Hmm. it's pretty interesting
0: there's so much to go over we never seem to have enough time on this podcast to get everything in Uh, before we go um, once again steve give us a a rundown on how we can connect with Landmark Home and Land Company. How do we get a hold of you guys?
1: Well, it's very simple. We've got our our website at lhlc.com. That's kind of the initials of Landmark Home and Land Company. It's actually Landmark Home and Land Company, but we just have the initials, lhlc.com. And you can uh, email uh, Mike. He can help you, mike at lhlc.com. I'm available at landmark at com, And then our 800 number is 800-830-9788. And, uh, we're, we're available. You know, we'd like to talk to people and, uh, and see what we can do to help. And some people it's easy to email, some it's call, some it's submit an inquiry through the webpage. So whatever's easy, just get in touch with us and we'll do everything we can to help you out.
0: Yeah. I would really recommend the website. Um, definitely check it out there's so much information on there i think it's it's really worth going over it thoroughly because there's just so much there that you can uh, that you can find out about on the uh, landmark home and land company website so that's going to do it for this episode of the panelized prefab kit home building show for steve Toom and myself thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time thank you have a great day